Well, good evening, my mighty fellow travelers. Here we are, another day, another evening, Wednesday evening with the Course of Love. And currently we are in the first treatise, the treatise on the art of thought, and we will be reading Chapter 7 tonight, Suffering and New Learning. And we're going to go right through this because there's only six, two massive ones, my God, and then kind of small ones. So I think between the three of you, you can read this thing. Okay. Uh, so, um, as I mentioned, Miguel will be us so far. Reverend Bill and uh, Gloria won't be here. Gloria had her second uh, cataract surgery today, and he's, you know, he's tending to her. So, we have Judy, Lana, and Miguel. And as we all know, we're all pros at this, so I don't have to tell you about, you know, trying not to step on each other's toes and all that nice nonsense and leave space for people to speak, and everyone try to make make (laughs) nicey-nice. I'm in a silly mood tonight. (laughs) Okay. So, just as a recap from last week when we concluded Chapter 6, which was the act of prayer, and now we're going into suffering and the new learning, he, he he ended that particular <clears throat> chapter by saying, "What happens? Let, let me see. Find a good spot here. <sighs> uh, so, what happens when memories of past experience are revisited under all encompassing under the all encompassing umbrella of a new way of thought? That's for the question mark. The different personalities become one." The different paths become one path. The future experiences become one. And in this oneness is peace everlasting. What happens when this oneness is, is accomplished is that divine memories arise to replace perception. This is miracle-mindedness. The accomplishment of this state of being is the reason for which you are here. It, it is your return to your true self It heralds the return of heaven through the second coming of Christ, the energy that will bridge the two worlds. So, Judy, would you like to take us into Chapter 7 and read Paragraph 1? Okay, thank you. Suffering is seen as a condition of this world because the world is seen as a world in which who you are can never be accomplished. You have perceived this inability to be who you are in terms of not being able to do as you would desire to do, live as you would desire to live, achieve what you would choose to achieve. The true way in which to see this prerequisite to the condition of suffering is as the perceived inability to be who you truly are, a being existing in union. Take away all for the moment that you would strive to be, and the feeling of not being able to be accomplished or complete will still be with you. Recall the many times you felt certain that a particular achievement would complete you and take away your feelings of lack. Even the most successful among you have found that your worldly success has been unable to bring you the satisfaction and the peace you desire. 
Lonnie, you want to read too? Okay. I may get interrupted, but um, we'll give it a go here. Okay. All right. Two. Even the most spiritual and godly among you accept suffering. Even those who understand as completely as possible the truth of who they are accept suffering. My use of the word accept is important here as these may not see, I'm sorry, as these may not see suffering as pain, but only as a natural part of being human that calls for acceptance. They thus find peace within suffering rather than abolishing suffering. This acceptance is due to the belief that spirit has chosen a form, and more accurately put a, in quote, lesser form in which to exist, and that that choice includes the choice to suffer. This belief may accept suffering as a learning device rather than a punishment, but it's still in its acceptance of a false notion invites suffering. This belief accepts learning through contrast, that evil is seen in relation to good, peace in relation to chaos, love in relation to fear. This belief exists in the in-between, where on the one hand there is darkness and on the other hand there is light. One or the other must exist at a given time, but never both. Thus, the absence of good health is disease. The absence of peace is conflict. The absence of truth, illusion. This belief does not accept that there is only one reality and that it must exist where you are. Oops, hold on a second. Hello? Okay, already. That was the end of 7.2, right? Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm sorry, but I actually had to jump off the call because my son called and I did have to ask him something. So I was kind of negligent. I put you guys on hold. (laughs) (laughs) But you you don't even know I was gone. (laughs) No, that's the truth. Yeah, well, at least you were able to carry on. So, Miguel, why don't you read 3, 4, 5, and 6, and we'll conclude this chapter. And then we can dialogue or do whatever we like. Thank you, yes. Uh, We are moving you now away from all such beliefs to knowing the preclusion need for belief at all. Yes, I have said that contrast is a favored teaching device of the Holy Spirit. But I have not yet said that the time of the Holy Spirit is ending, even though I have stated that the time of the second coming of Christ is here. I have said that the time of parables has ended and asked you not to look to those historical figures that that taught in such a way as your 
examples any longer. I have said a new way of learning is needed and is here. To continue to rely on the ways of old, no matter how effective they were, and no matter how much they spoke the truth, will be to not learn the new. You have advanced, taken steps, climbed to a new level, and acquired an ability to perceive differently in order to make this new learning possible. If you do not let what you have attained serve you, you will not realize that this new learning has, what this new learning has been for. You may reach an ideal of human satisfaction and happiness, but it will not go beyond what is human. This is why we must seek now being human in a new way. We must reconcile the differences between the human and divine. We must, in other words, speak of incarnation. Yeah. I feel like I should read it again. You know, I just <laughs> I'm like yeah. I'm stair step way of reading because I think I um I, I it just doesn't stick with me. I'm I'm um I'm a, a remedial learner. <laughs> I'm with you, Lana. Yeah, it's, it's short but really powerful. This little suffering in the universe. You want to read it again? <laughs> oh, I don't. I, I would. I would. But I don't know how. If other people, if you know the others here, would want to. I'm okay with what that. Do you if you want to read it from the top again, I'm okay with that. How about you, Miguel? What do you think? Yeah, I'm fine. Miguel. Yeah, I'm fine. Did I? I did someone else join us? I thought I heard a little ding. Yeah, fine with me. Oh, All good. Right. Yeah, you want to switch it up? Like, Miguel, you read one, Judy reads two, and then Alana read three. How's that? That's good for me. Okay. okay. Sounds good. All right, Miguel, you read one. Okay. Suffering is seen as a condition of this world because the world is seen as a world in which you, uh, which who you are can never be accomplished. We have perceived this inability to be who you are in terms of not being able to do as you would desire to do, live as you would desire to live, achieve what you would choose to achieve. The true way in which to see is prerequisite to the condition of suffering is as a perceived inability to be who you truly are, a being existing in union. Take away all for the moment that you would strive to be, and the feeling of not being able to be accomplished or complete will still be with you. Recall that many times you felt certain that a particular achievement would complete you and take away your feelings of lack. Even the most successful among you have found that your worldly success has been unable to bring you the satisfaction and the peace you desire. 
Even the most spiritual and godly among you accept suffering. Even those who understand as completely as possible the truth of who they are accept suffering. My use of the word accept here is important. As these may not see suffering as pain, but only as a natural part of being human that calls for acceptance. They thus find peace within suffering rather than abolishing suffering. This acceptance is due to the belief that spirit has chosen a form and more accurately put a quote-unquote lesser form in which to exist and that the choice includes the choice to suffer. This belief accepts suffering as a learning device rather than a punishment. But it still, in its acceptance of a false notion, invites suffering. This belief accepts learning through contrast, that evil is seen in relation to good, peace in relation to chaos, love in relation to fear. This belief exists in the in-between, where on the one hand there is darkness and on the other hand there is light. One or the other must exist at any given time, but never both. Thus, the absence of good health is disease. The absence of peace is conflict. The absence of truth, illusion. This belief does not accept that there is only one reality and that it must exist where you are. Okay. On 7.3. We are moving you now away from all such beliefs to a knowing that precludes the need for belief at all. Yes, I have said that contrast is a favored teaching device of the Holy Spirit, but I have not yet said that the time of the Holy Spirit is ending, even though I have stated at the time of the second coming of Christ is here. I have said that the time of parables has ended and asked you not to look to those historical figures that taught in such a way as your examples any longer. I have said a new way of learning is needed and is here. To continue to rely on the old on the ways of old, no matter how effective they were and no matter how much they spoke the truth, will be to not learn the new. You have advanced, taken steps, climbed to a new level, and acquired an ability to perceive differently in order to make this new learning possible. If you do not let what you have attained serve you, you will not realize what this new learning has been for. You may reach an ideal of human satisfaction and happiness, but you will not go beyond what is human. This is why we must speak now of being human in a new way. We must reconcile the differences between the human and divine. We must, in other words, speak of incarnation. Wow. Oh, thank you, guys. 
Yeah, I think it was worth the read through again. You know, in that second paragraph when he, you know, the thinking of our human existence, you know, the difference, you know, like, how does he put it? That we accept, you know, it's part of the human process to suffer. It's like, you know, and and I know, and I almost heard it in here, it's like, you know, in myself, the redundancy of me saying, you know, every time, you know, um, I had the opportunity, you know, when things went awry, physical or, you know, emotional, whatever, with, a, you know, the opportunity to suffer, so it gives me my greater advances. You know, it's like the learning curve going to suffering to learn to move forward and accept it for what it is. It's part of the process. But he, he's saying that's the old way. I mean, I'm saying that in my own simple, simplistic way. That's the old way of thinking. I mean, that's what I got out of that whole big paragraph. Yep. Yeah? Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, It reminded me, Paula, of um, my, you know, our Catholic upbringing. You know, if you suffer enough, then you're a saint, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's yep. a, a good thing. It's a, it's a good thing, and um, it's you know promoted that way. But I, you know, yeah. I don't think of that anymore. And 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 just that whole that word suffering. Um, mm-hmm. I think in of course the miracles, Jesus says something about um, suffering. You know, I made for example, I use an example. For uh, I may have um, really bad back pain one night, say, but to suffer from it, to be a victim of it, is a choice I make. You know, I can um, keep my mind fixed in God and um, have that energy kind of pass through and out of me, and I and the physical pain will diminish. And um, suffering to me is a state of mind. You know, it's it's a choice, and um, it's it's like a victimhood. And um, you know, I I just don't choose that anymore. Uh, even if I'm in a lot of pain or I'm sad uh, or whatever emotions coming up, um, even fear. You know, it's um. I always remember that from the Course from a long, long time ago, that suffering is a choice, and, and I don't choose that anymore. Um, you know, I feel like poop, you know. Mm. I'm not going to choose to suffer. I'm complete. Yeah, and he, he says that in so many words right in the middle of that paragraph about mm-hmm. choice, you know. Yeah, it's based on a belief. Mm-hmm. A belief that we were taught something that we learned, whether if you're going to school or to church or wherever, we learned, you know, something that suffering was somehow an okay thing, or it leads to something really great, therefore we should accept it. But what he's saying here now is absolutely not. You know, we don't have to live with suffering. We, we can, we've, you know, we've, we've had all kinds of beliefs about how we can be at peace and, and live with suffering, but basically what he's saying is, Abolish it altogether. Get rid of it altogether. There's no need for it. You know, we can be in pain, you know, physical pain, but I don't have to suffer from it. I'm in physical pain. I know I'm in physical pain, and that's wonderful. That's lovely. I know I'm alive. 
but I don't and I don't have to suffer from it. Not, but and I don't have to suffer from it. I mean, I've been I was born with these feet that don't always want to work, and so I've had constant foot pain my entire life. And I just learned that okay, yeah, so you're in pain, big stinking deal. Other people have pain too. You're not so special, and I don't have to suffer from it. I just accept it. It is what it is, and keep moving. So you know, it, it's just a knowingness that he's asking us to establish. And basically, he is saying, where was it, that uh, we exist in one reality. And it is where we are. You know, Judy, that word acceptance, because that got me too. Because mm-hmm. he actually goes to that point somewhere back in the second sentence of this mm-hmm. too. My use of the word accept is important here as they may not see suffering as pain but only as a natural part of being human that calls for acceptance. They thus find peace within suffering rather than abolishing suffering. Exactly. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, I don't find any peace in suffering. I just decided I made a decision a long time ago that I live with pain. That's the beginning and the end of it. It's no big deal. But I don't suffer. You know, I, I don't think anybody's ever heard me moan and groan about it. And all the time I've been here, I brought it up just simply as a way of explaining what I have been through, what has been personal to me, and how it, it just hasn't caused me to suffer. I just, I don't know. It's just, I, I'm, no, I'm not a victim. I called it to me for whatever reason, and so I will deal with it. But I don't have to suffer from it. I think that's the big point that he's making is that we know who we are. We are extensions of God. We are a thought of God. We are God. We are who we are. We are that. We are that. And being that, there is no need to suffer. There is only one reality. And that reality is God. And so that's what I get from what he's saying here. And I... You know, I'm not going to say that I always accomplish that. You know, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I will cry and moan and and complain and sit in one position, you know, for hours on end. But that's okay, too. That's the complete. Yeah, exactly. I am. I agree, too. I agree exactly with what you're saying. It's it's like I, um, you know, I just, you know, to accept, something, um, as Jesus tells us later on in, in this book, um, doesn't mean I have to like it. It just means I'm not going to do battle with it. You know, I'm not going to exactly. resist it or fight it or make it be different, try to make it be different than it is. All of that, for me, just keeps the pain in place. And, um, and you know, and I want the the truth of who I am to shine. That's what's really healing. Um, you know, it's it's like a when I bring everything to that embrace of love, it transmutes it into something different. And and see, you know, we do this so often, especially you know those of us who have chronic pain, you know, um, or what we call chronic pain, or we define as chronic pain. Um, we know it works, you know, we know it works, yeah. so we come to trust it, you know, and, and I've never, uh, gosh, I don't, 
I don't know when I decide. You know, this isn't about having a pain-free, worry-free existence, but it's about learning how to transcend it. That's the gift. That's the gift, that whatever shows up in my awareness, if I don't do battle with it and fight it and and make it into something that it's not, I I can transcend it through um, keeping my mind fixed in in God and truth and being present and being the awareness of it uh, and nothing more, not engaging in it, just having it uh, pass in me, through me, and out of me, <laughs> you know, and not getting in the way, um, complete. That's great, Lana. I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Another point that he's made here, too, is that we're moving away from these, <clears throat> pardon me, we're moving away from these beliefs, mm-hmm. and we're yeah. moving into a knowingness, an awareness of certainty, an awareness that says, we know the truth. The truth is that we live in God. We live in love. That is the only true reality. There is nothing else. And whatever I'm experiencing, if it's pain, you know, there's an old saying, um, uh, what is, uh, pain is pain, suffering is optional. Okay? Pain is just what it is. And anybody who's gone through any kind of surgery knows what kind of physical pain I'm talking about. Okay? It just is what it is. Suffering is optional. We don't have to suffer. I think that's the big point he's making here. And from what I'm getting here is that the way, the way to abolish suffering is not to focus on suffering, but to focus on existing in the truth of who we are. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and I want to add what he's saying to us is basically getting away from the, you know, the contrast, you know. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, in order to have good, you have to have bad, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, he says it right in those last couple of sentences, you know, the belief and the in-between. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to what you said, the belief does not accept that there is only one reality and that it must exist where you are. There is only one reality, and that's the truth. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. Believe, and that, yeah. yeah, it's like we move from belief. Again, you know, we were all brought up with beliefs. You know, we believe in this, we don't believe in that, yada, yada, yada. And we, we know better now. You know, beliefs are optional. We can, we can choose to believe whatever serves us, if it serves us, and if it serves humanity, we can believe all we want. However, what Jesus is asking us here to do is to transcend beliefs and come into a state of knowingness. And the way to do that is to allow ourselves to be overcome with that beautiful, unmistakable blanket covering of love, that safety, that security, that inner knowingness that exists within us. When I'm in that state, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm looking at four, you know, I highlighted it, I think the first time I read the book, you know, where he says we're moving now away from such beliefs, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that preclude the need for belief at all. But he said, Mm -hmm. yes. I have said <laughs> that contrast is a favored teaching device of the Holy Spirit, but I have not yet said that the time of the Holy Spirit is ending, even though I have stated that the time of the second coming of Christ is here. Yeah, and I he, think what he's saying here is and, and, rather than either, or. Mm-hmm. It's both. Yeah, 
Yes, I think so. Yep. Yep. But it's like he's doing away with the middleman. Mm-hmm. Coming to the point that we are one. We are God. Yes. Yes. That's that's the concept he wants us to grasp. Mm-hmm. Something that has never, ever, I don't think, ever been grasped. I don't think that concept has ever been truly, fully embraced. I know it's not taught in any church or or place of worship mm-hmm. that I've ever been to. And yet, that is the truth. Standing up in church and saying, I am God in the Catholic yeah, Church. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm telling you, they would get the nails and the hammer out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly right. That's my whole point. <laughs> we're taught to conform. We're taught to conform. We're taught to. We're taught to listen. We're, we're taught that we are, are, are supposed to listen to those who are. Uh, more enlightened than us. They may or may not be, but we're taught that we must listen to these grand people speak and spew forth all of their wisdom and knowledge. And yet, where in their wisdom and knowledge have they ever said, stand up and declare yourself as God? So, you know. I like the way Jesus said, um, said it, it, where he says, I and my Father are one. That sort mm-hmm. of gets as close as um, mm-hmm. that never said I, I don't think at least in biblical and scripture I don't think Jesus ever said I am God he always said you know, but he would refer to the oneness I yes am he did God. yes he did there is one passage in the Bible where it was misinterpreted when it was um, reproduced or when it was translated or whatever he, Jesus always spoke of God as being I am Right. And in one part of the Bible, Jesus does say this, I am is the way. And it was misquoted, it was misinterpreted where it was put forth as I am the way. And that's not what he meant to say. I don't believe that Jesus has any arrogance in him whatsoever. I am, God is the way. Plain and simple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and the culture at that time were just I not know. ready to hear it. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. Bless for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm well aware. <laughs> I grew up too. <laughs> yeah. Miguel, are you yeah. with us? Would you like to chime in in this chatter? <laughs> Come on, Miguel. Yeah, I, I, I'm here. I'm here. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Uh, this, this, this chapter is very, very, very important to me, this whole idea of no yeah. suffering. In fact, he comes back to it several times throughout the book that, that our, one of our jobs is to end the suffering completely, and it has not been ended so far. It has not ended because we never imagined life without suffering. And we can make all kinds of compromises, explanations, and that's what he's saying, uh, that we have made all kinds of compromises to accept suffering one way or another through the back door. But he's telling us one of our jobs is completely to end suffering. For example, in T3.8.13, I will... uh, 
Could suffering really have gone on for countless ages simply due to your inability to birth the idea of an end to suffering? Has not a part of you always known that suffering does not have to be even while you have accepted that it is? Let us now put an end to this acceptance through the birth of a new idea. Or later on in day two, the end of day two, um, the end of day two, absolutely a most dramatic statement for me. He says, uh, 226, the last two paragraphs of day two, accept uh, yourself. Willingness is now upon humankind. What my life demonstrated, but needs to be demonstrated anew. But this will not happen if you cling to suffering. If you do not accept your true self, all of yourself, you cling to suffering. This is why you first needed to accept me. To accept me is to accept the end of suffering. To accept the end of suffering is to accept your true self. So this point is made over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that and and, uh, and the, one of the keys here for me in the paragraph that we read is that um, this acceptance is due to the belief that spirit had chosen a form, and more accurately put, a lesser form in which to exist, and that choice includes the choice to suffer. He's referring to the way we perceive our body that we do not we perceive our body as a tool or a learning device and all of these many things. But actually, uh, the body uh, is none of that anymore. A learning device was just an intermediary step. The body is meant to absolutely demonstrate God here to show exactly what Jesus did by the resurrection. And that's why the next chapter is resurrection and ascension. Um, or, or what, what did you call it? Um, incarnation uh, and resurrection. Yeah, incarnation. So that yeah, is that's a key right. point. Why, why mm. suffering has continued is the way we have perceived our body. Yeah. And as long as we perceive our body as less than uh, absolutely meant to uh, dem- uh, make God visible and tangible, as long as we don't see the body absolute, with absolute certainty that it is here to make God visible and tangible, like Jesus did, Mary did. Uh, yeah. We will find all kinds of ways to accept suffering, roundabout ways. And that's all incomplete. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even with the crucifixion, you know, God's, Jesus suffered for our sins. But he yeah. didn't. He tells us he didn't. And he didn't, didn't. know. I know. <laughs> we know. Yeah. That's just, you know <laughs> how many times did you hear that over the years? Well, yeah. yeah, that's all belief, honey. That's all That's all just belief. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. The old beliefs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, what, mm-hmm. and in order I, to go to heaven, you have to suffer. In fact, I, uh, I would like to go on, Lana. No, no, you finish what you were saying. No, you go ahead. So, and about the crucifixion, since uh, 
he was brought up, he says, I do not suffer. And he made that very clear in the Course in Miracles as well. The, it was just, uh, it was just to, to it was, uh, he suffered only in our perception, not in his perception at all. Not only that, but that can be even, even that can be misinterpreted, thinking that there can be pain, but no suffering. He did not have pain, nor did he have suffering. He did all that just to present an example that was in our reckoning, in our perception, to us, it looked like this man was in pain and suffering. And the whole, uh, he was simply demonstrating what we believed is our lot. It was simply uh, the orchestration of that. He hadn't, he absolutely didn't participate in it in any way. He didn't have pain, nor did he have suffering. He makes it very clear uh, that he was simply demonstrating to us in, as he calls it in Course in Miracles, a visual aid. Yeah, mm-hmm. It was a visual yeah. aid to let us see what we believe about ourselves. And it was a step necessary to show the resurrection, complete resurrection. I mean, the, the resurrection. Without, because without crucifixion, there would be no resurrection. So right. crucifixion right. was just a step mm-hmm. necessary. It was a necessary to come to resurrection. In, and... Uh, uh, so, so we must be so clear that we'll be making all kinds of roundabout compromises and accept suffering. He's making that point over and over again. No pain, no suffering. And the last thing I'll say, in the Course in Miracles, there is this awesome paragraph that I found throughout those years before the Course of Love came into my life. I'm, yeah, Course of Love. The, that paragraph was very, very, very fascinating to me. It was like a cliffhanger. It's in it, 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 it's in chapter twenty-seven. The name in the first section is called "The Picture of the Crucifixion," and this is paragraph number ten. It goes like this: The body could be a symbol of life, a promise of redemption, and the breath of immortality to those grown sick of breathing in the fetid scent of death. Let it have healing as its purpose. Then it will give the message it has received. And through its health and loveliness, it will proclaim the truth and value that it represents. Let it receive the power to represent an endless life forever unattacked. And to your brother and sister, let his message be, Behold me, brother, at your hands I live. So right there in that paragraph, he makes it very clear that the body was, uh, he's telling us to show the, my brothers and sisters a body that has never suffered and does not suffer completely. Uh, show them, let, give it the power to represent an endless life forever unattacked. And, and so he was telling us in that paragraph to show the, us them, show the world a resurrected body which has never suffered uh, exactly what he did, you know, to the crucifixion. He needs the crucifixion to show that. He's asking us to do that without any crucifixion or death or anything else. So I feel this entire course of love is an expansion of that one paragraph in the Course in Miracles. Uh, I'm complete. Great, Miguel. That's great, Miguel. Thank you. Thank you, Miguel. Thank you, Miguel. You know, it reminds me of, you know, um, 
if you look at the Old Testament, some of these old prophets, Methuselah, I mean, they lived like hundreds of years. They were like hundreds of years old. You know, they they uh, never brought into their experience, their their awareness that that life, that the body had a limit or an expiration date on it. You know, they truly believed that it was um, their their eternal nature, and um, and then they demonstrated it. You know, just like you were saying about Jesus. Uh, he, he demonstrated that things don't have to be like we believe they are. That things, we don't have to bring the past into the present. Uh, it's, and it's in a course of love, you know, it's so, it's so clear that they say, you know, the welcoming in of the new is not about, can't be tarnished or contaminated by anything, any past learning. Um, you know, so it's it's a fresh new idea. I I think of it. Um, you know, uh, I I can get confused with these word symbols in a course of love compared to the word symbols in a course of miracles, because in many ways they are saying the same thing, but because of the different word symbols, uh, people devoted uh, to the course of miracles will not be open-minded about the course of love. But, you know, when I think of the art of thought, um, you know, for me, how I experience that is where um, the thoughts I think with God have nothing to do with the um, thought system of the ego. has nothing to do. It's not even a thinking process. You know, it's it's like I, I'm a thought in the mind of God, so I can't have any other mind other than God's mind. It's impossible for me to have a thinking capacity outside of the mind of God, you know. And, and so uh, when I look, consider the art of thought and, and this whole new way of, um, you know, of being... I, I think of, you know, when I ask, uh, I question perceptions and ask what is the truth of this because I know the truth of this, whatever this may be at that moment, has nothing to do, I'm not going to find it through the ego thought system. I'm not going to find it through the intellect. I'm not going to th- find it through any of my beliefs, past beliefs. It's going to have to come from the infinite mind of God and that's when the thoughts I do not think you know, are delivered to my mind. Um, And it has nothing to do with a thinking capability that I uh, would use, you know, just for practical purposes. But certainly if I'm looking for truth, I wouldn't go there. I would just um, await the delivery of the thoughts of God that would enter my mind and they always bring with them at least in my experience, the thoughts I think with God always bring with them clarity and certainty and peace. And there's no questions. You know, even the idea of a question, much less an answer, becomes an obsolete notion. You know, it's, it's, it has 
It's so whole and complete. It could never come from any place other than the mind of God. And, um, you know, so uh, this suffering and all the beliefs that we bring, we are, you know, I think that um, that's the limitations we bring to ourselves. You know, or, or, or um, so much so that um, we think we're not ourselves or someone else. But anyhow, sorry to babble on. I'm complete. No, oh, Lana, that was great. You can babble on even longer. That was perfect. Thank you, Lana. Yeah. 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 And you're quite right about that. We have been taught our beliefs. We have been taught to believe in old age, whereas, as you were saying, Without the concept of limitations, I mean, we're told that we have limits. We're told that we have limits and we have boundaries and everybody, you know, up in arms about having limits and boundaries and yada, yada, yada. And the truth is that they're self-imposed. They're not real. Of course, I will add to that. that. So <clears throat> while we're living in this, <clears throat> in this earthly plane, we are subject to the laws of gravity. Now, I'm, again, I, I mean, I haven't tried it, so I really don't know, but it, again, is that a belief? I mean, do I believe in the laws of gravity? I, what if I were to withdraw my belief in the law of gravity altogether? Would I float? I don't know. Right, right. My friend Teddy, you know, Vicky's husband, he used to tell me that the only reason he carried that weight, well, his weight was so he wouldn't float away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. that is, you know, something there's, you know, we can laugh about that because it is funny on the one hand and on the other hand, there's a lot mm-hmm. of truth to that too. Yeah. Some people, you know, a lot, people, my... a lot of people that I know smoke for the very same reason. Am I breathing? Well, let me see, you know, <laughs> let me, let me see in vision, you know, yes, I'm, I'm still here because I can see my breath that comes out in smoke or whatever. And the same thing with wow. weight. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, it sounds funny, but it's true. It is. It is. You know, we, yeah. we, oh, in one of my meditative writings, Jesus told me that um, spirit, or spirit or soul, is very childlike in nature, uh, in its nature. It's, um, in fact, he said the whole idea of aging is, um, is about time come when we entered into time and space aging has no place in heaven or in the spiritual realm we always stay in that child childlike innocent um openness of, of oh, yeah. um you know it's it's like getting old is uh just a belief we came to to believe in there's no such thing as aging as spirit, as spirits, you know, we're all we stay in that wonderment of a child. So I'm complete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, Lana. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no such thing as death. Mm-mm. No, no. Well, there is and there isn't. I mean, realistically, our yeah. cells uh, die and are reborn constantly throughout our entire life. Right. So you know, there is that, and yet. When we're but talking about the, the actuality of incarnation, death. the death to well, the presence, the, it's, yeah. and we incarnate into, you know, we don't biologically. Yeah, no, just yeah. biologically Biolog- speaking. And the yeah, biologically form. speaking, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's our belief. So basically, yeah, yeah. 
but we are electrical, electromagnetic energies as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and we, we survive what people call death, physical death. Okay, um, we survive it. There's no question in my mind whatsoever. That's for sure. You know, I've had two um, near-death experiences, and if they didn't oh, prove anything else, <laughs> they proved that life was eternal, and it was yeah. a very peaceful, loving state. There was absolutely oh no fear. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Been there, done that, and I absolutely agree. I had that same experience. The you had a near-death experience, Judy? I did. Oh. I did. Yeah, I did. Long time ago, I was 22 at the time, and um, uh, apparently in and out of well, I was in coma for three days, and apparently during that period of time, I did die, quote unquote, and come back. Uh, so yeah. What did yeah. you feel? Oh my God, I felt. Awesome. I mean, I, I can't even describe the feeling. It was just, it, I can't describe it. I don't have the words. Lana, can you find some words? I can't. I mean, I can try. I mean, I felt, it was mostly feelings. It was mostly feelings, although I did kind of sense this um, golden kind of light. And I sensed beings, okay, not humans, but just beings, and the love that was radiating around and through me and, I mean, up and down and over and through and above and below and above, you know, the side by side, everything was just love. It was just beautiful. And I know that is totally inadequate. But that's the best I can do. Wow. It's it is incredible. true. Once I started trying to put, every time I try to put words to it, it the words kind of make it different than what it was. I because know. Words limiting but I did write about it and in the writing the meditative writing Jesus was giving me the words but I can't even repeat them to you now you know um, I would have to look up the essays (laughs) that Jesus gave (laughs) to me about them because my mind can't hold that Um, it has no point of reference for it I agree. I agree 100%. That's why I find it so hard to describe it or even explain it, except just the feeling of it was just incredible. I mean, that's, and if I'm going to feel that way all the time, bring it on. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Although, getting back to what we're discussing here in the course of love, what he's saying here is that we can bring that into our human form as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think because of that experience that I had, and Lana, I don't know if it's the same for you, I do know that from that experience that I had and that feeling that I had, in some way, and I don't even know how it's possible, I was, I've been able from time to time to resurrect that feeling, to re-experience, not in its completeness, not in its depth, not in the way I originally or initially experienced it, portions of it, part of it, touching on it, it's, if I can, when I can bring that back into my feeling senses in my day, days or nights or evenings or mornings or whatever the heck, I can, I, can, I can feel that feeling. It's not as intense, that's for sure. 
at the same time, I can still feel <clears throat> something that's close. And I guess I'm, <clears throat> what I want to ask you, Mona, is have you experienced that as well? Are you there, Lana? Oops. Yes, I am now. <laughs> I had to, I was on mute. Um, what what I call, you know my two experiences they I mean like one I got the last rites and then I went into you know I was just laying there to see what happens next you know <laughs> Grim Reaper going to show up on the bed or or what but um, yeah. I was trans I I was just transformed I I don't know I went um, my awareness I like to think of it as just my awareness was expanded to a level that I, you don't experience in everyday life in consciousness. Um, and it was more of that than, you know, it, it's, it's like everything. I went to this garden, you know, um, and uh, everything was like multidimensional. It was like looking through a diamond and seeing all the facets of a diamond. But um, okay. um, it was, uh, and then, you know, that was actually, that experience came during a revelatory um, episode that I had a few years ago. My near-death experience was more of um, an experience of oneness. I do remember that there was no delineation between, I wasn't in a body or out of body because the body had nothing to do with my experience. It was just another object in the room, like the lamp on the table or maybe a tree outside the window. It had um, my uh, awareness of the, the body lost all value because I noticed it wasn't going to save me. So that's what triggered the experience. You know, when I got that the body couldn't save me from anything, it lost all its value, and it was like a swoosh. All of a sudden, I wasn't there anymore. At least I wasn't there in the way that I knew Lana being in form was. And um, it was um, just an experience of, of oneness. Um, and then the, another time was when I, I had a heart attack. I had two consecutive heart attacks within an hour. And they were taking me to a larger hospital than the local one here because they couldn't do, they couldn't take care of me here. So the first heart attack, um, I re I just remembered a profound peace, uh, and I knew that it was perfectly okay to stay or to leave. Either way, there was no difference. You know, I was safe regardless of what I, you know, what I did. And the second one came in the ambulance going up to the larger hospital and you know when you have a heart attack and you're being transferred they have a doctor in the ambulance with you and the doctor and nurse was um, you know they were just like running around you know when as much as you can run around an ambulance and I was just in total and utter peace and I knew that everything was going to be okay and it had nothing to do with the outcome of my mm -hmm. what's going it had nothing to do with that. I just knew that everything was going to be okay. And I was safe regardless of what happened. And, you know, so uh, those are kind of like the little snippets 
pieces that I take from it that I can put into words as best I can. But the more profound realizations, you know, like you said, I there. If I try to put it in words, it just makes it into something that it's not something <laughs> different. Yeah. Because there's no reference in our experience within this realm of time space. There's just no reference point. Um, you can't look anywhere to find um, word symbols that would describe that because there are none, um, at least none that that um, that I know of. But it. It's just, you know, that I, I don't, and I'm sure it's this way with you, you know, there's no longer any fear of death. I mean, I, I hope it's not anything. <laughs> you know, I hope Jack Ripper doesn't find me and kill me, but I, I, hope, it's, I hope it's a peaceful, um, not lengthy, you know. I, my grandmother passed, transitioned in her sleep. I, I think I would like that way, you know. But as far yeah. as the idea of transitioning out of this body to whatever happens next, um, you know, there's there's no fear. It's just, it's just uh, well, let's see, you know, let's see what happens next. What's the next grand adventure? It's a surprise. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can look at it as wonderment and wonderment, you know, like I was saying before. Um, so I'm complete. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, thanks, Anna. I, I get I yeah. get exactly what you're saying, and I I get it, I get it. No, good, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder about that transition. Oh, I don't have a fear about it. Good. Yeah. It's just another adventure. We never stop. Going to the dentist is much more fearful, I think. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> Mm. No, there's, mm. there's nothing to fear from everything that I either remember or have read about that have rang true within me. It all talks about how joyful and vivid and incredibly, incredibly real it is and that we absolutely do adopt a form upon our quote-unquote death. We adopt a form that is basically one of... It's basically something that we possess within us at the present time. It's electromagnetic. And that electromagnetic form that we all have is kind of interwoven and inter, you know, kind of interwoven with our physical form. And it's what survives when our physical body decides to go. Um, we don't. We just change form. That's all. We just change form. And, and we retain memories. Apparently, they are encoded within the electrical system that is within us as we speak. And that does survive it. And we retain our memories. We're focused not in physical reality. We're, we're focused in a different dimension altogether. Um, <clears throat> and apparently, there's all kinds of wonderful stuff there. So who knows? I mean, I haven't, of course, gone there and stayed there. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking with you. However, from what I have understood from my own experience and then subsequently read about, it's beautiful. There's nothing to fear about it at all. It's beautiful. It's, it's lovely. It's gorgeous. We're everything that we are without the limits of the body. We have to learn to adapt to new freedoms. Because right now in a physical body, we're kind of limited as to what we do and go. I mean, we can't fly through the air and visit each other. 
at the same time, this is something that we can do when we're not in the physical dimension. So there's new freedoms that we'll have to learn how to use. But that's basically, you know, I think that's basically the biggest challenge. It'll be an interesting trip. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Apparently, they say birth is much harder than death. Mm-hmm. Yet we choose to come back. We choose. Mm-hmm. The soul mm-hmm. choice. The oh, soul choice. And we choose how we go, too. We choose how we, quote, unquote, die. Yeah. Yeah. Or how the body dies. And, well, thank you. That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've kind of been fixed on going in my sleep as well. I think it's probably the most peaceful way to transition. Yeah, I, I like that. Sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah, sounds good to me too. However, in the meantime, Jesus is suggesting not that we go there in order to fulfill everything that he's talking about in this book, mm-hmm. but to do it now while we're human. Yeah. We can have these same feelings. We can have these same experiences being human. Accepting our form. I love when I first read that. Yeah, accepting our form. Yeah, exactly. Well, they say heaven on earth. Yeah. Yeah. See through the vision of Christ. See the real world. And allow yeah. the illusion to disappear. See the yeah. truth. And it's there. It's just that we, in our mm-hmm. human form, we choose to see it through the, through the darkness. Through the contrast, I think that, you know. Well, that yeah, of course, thing. that's yeah. how we were, that's how I was raised. I don't know about the rest of you, but that's how I was raised. I was raised to survive in this world and to, you know, keep my feet on the ground and so on and so forth and to think. You know? And then, of course, having all these you know, beliefs. We, we create our own worlds. Of course we do. Yeah. Of course we do. But, you know, when we're three feet tall and our parents are, you know, six feet tall, they kind of dominate, you know. They kind of dominate the room. So basically what they say is, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's like they're gods and we're not. So we have to believe them because who else is going to take care of us and nurture us and feed us and clothe us and put us to bed and so on and so forth. So we have the tendency is to believe what they, what they tell us. And, of course, there's no blame there at all. I mean, they were raised by parents, too. And they probably felt yeah. the same way. And it's just being passed down from generation to generation, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, there's no blame in any of it. And, yes, we, it's true. We do create our own world. And I can remember because I've gone through a lot of, of um, remembering and how I was raised and how I grew up. And, and it, basically everything that I proclaimed as being not good or negative or whatever in my life, it was all due to me. It was all due to my response. And, of course, realizing today that I could have chosen a different response it doesn't mean that I can't, I can't in my mind go back to some of those events and re-experience them and change my response. And by changing my response, I, can, I will look at it with the art of thought rather than with my little ego mind. At being seven years old, um, I responded with my ego mind, whereas now I can look back at it and I can respond with the art of thought and say, yeah, they were on their path too. They did the only thing that they knew how. They did the best they knew how. And I know this. 
And it's not something I tell myself or procreate myself with. It's something that I absolutely know. There was never any intent to harm or to hurt or to whatever. But being little, of course, the first thing that came to my little ego mind when I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old was, oh, they're out to get me or they're out to hurt me or they don't like me very much and yada, yada, yada. And, of course, now we have a chance. I have a chance. We can go back and we can reshape all of those memories. We can replay them. Being in the spacious present, we can focus our awareness anywhere we want because it's all happening in the eternal now. It's all the spacious present. You know, Judy, what I believe, you know, like you're saying, like, you know, coming into this world, it, it, we come in with, it's all made, it's a script. It's a choice. We choose mm-hmm. our parents, and he, you know, he says that even yep. in the course of miracles. We choose it. Yep. Yeah, we sure we do. choose it. And every soul plays the role that was, you know, the chosen role to play. Because right. being on is, you know, that speaking, whatever you want to call it, you know, have the human experience purposes that I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> But it's all predetermined. That's true. That's true. What's that yeah. saying? It's always easier to ride the donkey in the direction that it's going, you know. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's um, response. You know, another uh, another experience that I had that, um, and it was about suffering. So, um, I was uh, it was at the height of my daughter's drug addiction to heroin and it was winter time and she was homeless I had no idea and I was like praying for her to be arrested <laughs> so she yeah. would have roof over her head and I shared that story but the part of it I haven't shared that much is um, that mi- the mystical experience attached to it and and again I can only refer to it as as expanded awareness and to a degree that I can't explain. And um, Jesus took me, literally took me by the hand and guided me to that place that I didn't want to go, you know, that place of finding her dead in her bed from an overdose. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what happened was nothing short of miraculous because in this expanded state of awareness, and I, I couldn't tell you how it works, all I know was that I saw that she was safe and I saw it in a way that regardless of whether she was alive or deceased from an overdose, that she was perfectly safe. And that's what Jesus wanted me to know, that regardless of what happened, that she was safe. And I felt that to the core of my being. It's it's like you were saying, it's like an inner knowing. I just knew that it was true. And I couldn't explain it, but I just knew that it was true. And um, and it's, uh, what's that other saying? It's not what you don't know. It's what you don't know you don't know. And mm-hmm. to me, that's what about, that's what the new is. It's, it's coming, that, that coming into our experience, what we don't know, we don't know. And it's totally new. And that experience for me that night was certain. Mm-hmm. Totally new. And the first time I met Jesus, I was about seven years old. It was on the playground at school. And um, my brother, I was such a fearful child, and, and my brother used to hold my hand at recess. He was in a grade ahead of me. 
And one day, as luck would have it, he was sick. And so I was on the playground leaning, actually leaning up against the brick wall of the school looking out. And I felt, I mean, just like either one of, you know, any one of you were holding my hand. I felt mm. a grip in my hand, holding it tightly. And, um, mm. and I, you know, and that memory has stayed with me the whole, my whole life. And I looked and there was no one there, but I still felt Jesus holding my hand. And um, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about forgiveness. All I knew was whenever I was afraid, I would just call on Jesus and my fear went away. And it was way before A Course in Miracles, but all through my life, in my young adulthood, Anytime fear, I mean, to the point where I remember starting to work in an office and when the phone rang, I would call on Jesus to be on the phone conversation with me, you know, so he was, he just kind of traveled with me as what I identify as Jesus. Of course, it's, it was um, all within the oneness of our being. Mm -hmm. Um, It, uh, you know, it just stayed with me my whole life. And um, that's beautiful. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's. I know he's there whenever I need him, and when I need him, I, all I have to do is start writing, because the minute I start writing, after a sentence or two, he shows up and takes over, and and, and, um, and I know he's with me, because, you know, I'm not doing the writing. I mean, it comes out like it's, the form is Lana, but the content's all JC, you know, it's, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. do know. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's just beautiful, Anna. It was beautiful, Anna. You know, when I think back to my childhood, I don't think I've ever felt any like when I'm my most fearful moments. I always felt alone. I never felt the presence of anything that made me feel, you know, peaceful. Mm. I know that I I experienced both. There were there were times I experienced uh, comfort unseen. Uh, don't know where it came from, but there were times that I did experience that, and then there were times that I felt very alone as well. I kind of had a mixture. Mm. Yeah. But Lana, that that is just beautiful. I feel it now. You know, when I I do feel something. Like it's like, you know, I don't feel alone. Oh good. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Sometimes we can't put a name to it. Uh, Lana, uh-huh. you've been very fortunate. You've been able to put a name to it. Called, you've called your, you know, the presence Jesus with you your whole life, and that's beautiful. And then there are others who can't name it. I mean, they can't say, oh, specifically it was Jesus or some kind of a guardian angel or whatever. But there always a is feeling. a presence. Yes, it's a feeling. It's a feeling. It's yeah. something that comes from within me, anyway, that I just know. I just know. I don't need proof. I just know. There's a certainty, an awareness and a certainty about it that just doesn't demand any kind of proof or even an explanation. 
the feelings can be that strong. They really can. Um, I know that it, all I have to do is call on, for instance, my late husband. Um, you know, I can feel his presence sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. it's, in fact, sometimes I can even smell his aftershave lotion. And I can smell that. And, of course, it's nowhere to really sound, but it's an, and it isn't something I smell with my nose. It's, it's like an inner awareness of it. And it's, it's all know. this stuff, you know. It's, it's yeah, um, <laughs> recognize it within. Um, at least that's how it is for me. You know, it's all recognized within. And then something else will... Um, and, and my daughter experiences it a lot, too. You know, she'll say, you know, Dad, are you there? And a red cardinal will fly into her view, you know, at that moment. Oh, wow. you, know? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's always there. You know, you just have to be willing to... I I have to leave. Um, I'm getting a call that I need to take, so... Um, yeah, thank you, Andy. Yeah. Thank you, Lana. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. To hear your voice. Come back next week, please. Yeah, you know, it's funny when she just said that about the red cardinal. Mm. And that's only recent, like, uh, when I'd ask, like, I'd need, in my mind, like, you know, talking to the Holy Spirit or Jesus or God, you know. And I, I'd hear a chirp. And I look out the window, and oh. there would be this red cardinal on the branch there. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, surprised that you yeah. said that. Yeah, yeah. And it, well, that, all of that is very true. All of that actually happens. I mean, there's just too many, too many stories about that for it to be just coincidence. Sorry, but <laughs> it, it's it's something. It's like feelings, you know. Like yeah, and yeah. I I was I was on a call with somebody, a Zoom session, and and they were talking about Mother Mary, and all of a sudden I felt like arms around me, mm. and helped me, like somebody caressing me. Oh, you know, I can't. Yeah. You, it's like you, you know, like she's, Lana was saying, you can't put words to no, it. No, I know. It's just a feeling, you know, like... That's right. And like those feelings are the experience. Yeah. yeah, like a piece would, you know, come in and all of a sudden you feel okay. And that you want to hold on to it as long as you can and then it dissipates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. And in many ways, I do believe that those feelings are what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about being human in a new way. That's experiencing those feelings consistently all the time. Um, I think that's a rather large, tall order. At least it feels that way. It feels like a very, it feels like a pretty big yeah. challenge to me. <clears throat> and at the same time, it still feels that that is what he's asking of us, to be that all the time. And that way we not only abolish suffering, we create, we create, we're creators at that point. And that's hard to mistake. That's something that as we are creators in the truest sense of the word, our energy goes out everywhere. And anybody who is open and open-minded or open-hearted enough to receive it will receive it. I think that's the new human. Yeah. 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 I I know. Yeah. It's 
And, you know, we, I know I do get, you know, like glimpses of that. You know, I could feel it, you know, where I'm just so in line, you mm-hmm. know, with like just my feeling, you know, and the feelings and feeling. I can't even put the words on it. Like just right. Now you don't. Have, you don't have to. I get it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can feel yeah. what you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel that. Yes. And I agree. It's just. It's really difficult to put into words. It's an experience. Really. It's like knowing the truth. Like the truth of mm-hmm. who I really am. Mm-hmm. Not this Donna. You know this banana. You know Paula. <laughs> Yeah, I know, or Judy, or, yeah. But the truth yeah. is who we are. And we shall remain nameless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I am. The I amness. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. I, I know you're fading. <laughs> yeah, I'm fading fast. Yeah. Miguel, are you still with us? Yeah. Probably. Yes, yes. Yay. Thank you, I'm just- and I think that being human in a new way is the elevated self of form. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yes. That Those is, are the words I was trying to get out for hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that's it. That's it. it. That's it, Miguel. Yep. Can't you keep plucking them out of my head? Yes. <laughs> 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 oh. Okay, Something guys. Thank you so much. Good night. Oh, no, thank you. Good night. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Thank you. I love you guys. Love you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.